Well, today we're going to continue our series called Uncommon Courage. And I want to talk with you this morning about courage to face your faults. And you might say, well, I don't have any faults. Well, yeah, I mean, you can have the gift of leadership, and then that gift of leadership can cause you to become super controlling, and that can really cause some problems. And we all have some faults. And we want to talk about the courage to face our faults this morning because we all have them. Faults are some area of weakness in our life, some places that crack open when life gives us kind of a hard shake. And when we crack open in this area of weakness, we do some damage. Now, you know, if you were to look at a, at a land map like this of Southern California, uh, you see faults, fault lines running all the way through Southern California. And we live in this land of fault lines. Now, we live here in Southern California, and we all know that they're there, right? We all know that those fault lines are there, and we know they are areas of weakness. But we're also willing to kind of coexist with them because they rarely cause a problem. But we also know that when the earth shakes hard enough, these areas of weakness in the earth's crust just might crack open and cause all kinds of catastrophes. And listen, and listen close, because the, the same is true with you and me. We all have areas of weakness. We all have faults. And, and we usually know what they are. But instead of facing our faults, instead of dealing with our faults, we just kind of coexist with them, kind of push them down, kind of hide them, don't deal with them, because rarely do they cause a problem. But they're still there. But then comes a day when life gives us such a hard shake, we crack open in that area of weakness. And we do damage, not only to ourselves, but often to people around us. Now, faults are not necessarily sins. They could be, or they could lead us into sin. But faults are basically character weaknesses. And we all have them. And the truth is this, our God knows what they are. He knows all about your weakness. He knows all about my weakness. Because listen to what God says. Look at this. God says, I, the Lord, search the heart. Now, I want you to imagine God puts on a kind of a little uh, hard hat with a little light right up here. And, and imagine God being like an explorer. And, and he's saying, I, the Lord, search the heart. Every crevice, like an explorer, every corner, every turn. He says, I search the heart. I examine the mind, every crevice, every thought, every motive, every longing, every desire. He says, I search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. That scripture is telling us God looks at us. 
God didn't just create us in the womb. God didn't just kick us out of the womb. But God, from the day we came out of that womb, and even before, has been looking. He's been looking at you and me. He knows our weakness. He knows our faults. The Bible goes on and says in Proverbs, your ways, that means including your faults, are in full view of the Lord. You can't hide them. You can't block them. He says, God sees everything. He examines all of your paths. God knows your areas of weakness. The question is, do you? Do you? The Bible says, let us examine our ways, areas of strength, areas of weakness, and test them. And folks, if we find that they're not pleasing and acceptable in the sight of the Lord, the Scripture says, and let us return to the Lord. Look at your faults. Don't deny that you have them, but face them. We, we don't like to face them. We, we don't like to think about them. We know they're there. We know those areas of weakness, those fault lines are there, but we don't want to talk about them and face them. But folks, Christians are not perfect people. But we are pursuing the one who is perfect. Amen? Oh, help me out. Amen? We are pursuing the one who is perfect, and we are asking him to help us become more like him. And we are asking him to make us his bride, his church, all that he intends us to be. And what does he desire for his church, his bride to be? Well, the Bible tells us he wants us to be faultless, spotless, and no wrinkles. He wants us to be without fault, without spot, without wrinkle. He wants his bride to be perfect when we come to meet him in heaven. So the goal of Canyon Hills, a church that pursues Jesus, is to be a place where you can come as you are and then become all that God intends you to be. Amen? That's the kind of church we are. So the question is, what kind of place do people need to become more like Jesus? What's going to help them become more like him? It's not on your outline, but you might want to write this down. People need a place of grace. A place, a church, where there's no condemnation, where you can come just as you are. And because everybody who's here has come from a really bad place. In sin. Desperate for forgiveness. Needing the grace of Jesus Christ. There's no condemnation upon your life because we've just come from there. Amen? And so this is a place of grace, not condemnation. Next, people need a place of truth, a place where they can hear the truth and examine themselves next to the truth. How am I measuring up according to the word of God? Then people need a place for transformation. We are not perfect. We need to be able to come to a place like this and say, this is who I am. But you know what? I'm not staying this way. I can come as I am, but I am not staying this way. I, by the power of God, want to be transformed. Amen? I want to become more like the Lord Jesus Christ. So, folks, write this down. This is a place to face your faults. Canyon Hills is a place of grace where you can face your faults and your weaknesses, whatever they are. And if you will stop and do that, if you will stop denying your faults, stop denying that you have any weaknesses, and if you'll just ask, 
God will then give you the courage to face them and deal with them. He'll give you even courage beyond your own. A supernatural courage to deal with something maybe you've been struggling with, coexisting with all of your life. And you know it's not pleasing to God. Now, we all know that we're not even close to what God intends for us to be, right? Amen? We're growing. We're taking steps. But we're not close to his, his great goal of being a, a bride without fault, spot, or wrinkle. We all know that we're not as loving as we could be. We all know that we're not as passionate or compassionate as we should be. We all know that we're not as patient as we need to be. We all know that we, we don't have the self-control that we need. We all know that we, we run to things for a quick fix instead of God more than we'd like. We know that we do worry. We do stress more than we'd like. We do know that we're not as victorious over lust, over fear, over greed, over jealousy like we should be. The truth is this, we are not fault free. We all have faults when we measure ourselves next to the Lord Jesus Christ. When we measure ourselves next to his word, we, we all have faults. Somebody said, people, we're kind of like diapers. <laughs> we need to be changed often. Because our lives get dirty, they get messy. Because we have these faults, it causes messes in our lives. And that's why I'm talking with you today about having the courage to face your faults. About coming as you are, but not staying that way. Because you get messed up like a diaper. And you need your life to be transformed by the power of God. Amen? We might be doing 90% with Jesus and doing well, but there's still an area that we haven't fully surrendered to Him. We don't want to face it. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to deal with it. But we need to be transformed in that area. Now, you know, you ever gone out and bought a used car? Anybody bought a used You all buy new cars? Okay. Okay. And when you go out and buy a new car, you usually have to sign a waiver that says, I'm buying this car as is. I'm buying this car in the condition that it is in. I know what it's in. I'm buying it as is. I see the faults. I see the problems. What I want you to go away understanding here today is this. God does the same thing. God accepts you. He knows your heart. He's searched it. He's examined it. And he looks at you and he says, I accept you as is. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. Isn't that awesome? That is the grace of God as is. God loves you as is with even with your faults that he knows is in your heart and mind. But listen, God loves you too much to leave you as is. He wants to transform you and turn you in by by his awesome grace into his beautiful bride. So God plants you in a place, in a church of grace that says, come as you are, experience God's grace. We have, we want you to experience it too. He plants you in a place like this where you say, hear what God wants you to be. Hear God's truth, experience his truth right here. 
He plants you in a place and he says, be transformed into what God knows you can be. Experience his transforming power. And we all long to be in a place like that, in a church like that, where we can be honest about the good and the bad parts of our lives. Without the fear of judgment. Where there's hope to become more of what God intends us to be. And the Bible paints a picture of his church being that kind of place. Take a look at this. The Bible says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us instead encourage one another. Experience the grace and truth of God through his church and be transformed by his power. Come to a place of grace as you are, but don't stay that way. And when you come and you experience that transforming power of God, God wants you to grow into a person that then turns and does what this verse says. That helps others become more like Jesus. That spurs others on toward love and good deeds. That encourages others. That's the goal of this church. And that's the goal of spiritual growth and transformation. But you don't just drift into spiritual growth. You don't just suddenly get transformed. You just don't quickly fix your faults overnight. That's not the way it happens. Growth and transformation doesn't happen without practicing the right things over and over and over. You've got to practice things like praying. Are you really praying? You've got to practice things like Bible reading. Are you opening the Word of God, this conversation that God's trying to have with you? Are you opening it every day? And reading and listening to God? Are you doing things like coming to church consistently? Are you worshiping God in spirit and in truth? Are you attending and fellowshipping with a small group? Are you finding a way to serve God by serving others? Because when you practice all of those things together... When you practice and do them over and over and over again all together, it causes spiritual growth and transformation to take place in your life. So if you want to grow, if you want to be transformed, you've got to get into the three W's. Write this down. It's not on your outline. You've got to get into, first of all, the Word, the Word of God then you've got to get into worship. And I'm not talking about coming, standing, and listening. I'm talking about using whatever's done on the stage to help you connect with God. So during musical worship, you're praying, you're singing, you're lifting your hands, you're, you're, you're talking to God, you're connecting with Him. You've got to get into the Word, you've got to get into worship, and you've got to get into the work of God. Those are the three W's that you've, you've got to practice. Because those three things together are kind of like a fertilizer. That when you do them, they work their way down into the soil of your life and they transform you. They turn you into something beautiful. Those three things are also like 
kind of like tree stakes that keep you straight as a Christian and keep you from bending to the, to the winds of life. But if you're not in the Word, if you're not in the worship of God, and you're not into the work of God, if you're not practicing those three things, you're going to bend to the winds of life. Life is going to hit you hard. Those faults, those weaknesses are going to open up and come to the surface and do all kinds of damage. One night, Jesus took his disciples who, who needed transformation. They needed to grow. He took them on a walk, and they walked by some vines and some trees, and Jesus began to teach them a lesson. And Jesus says it this way. Take a look at it on the screen. He says, remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit of its, if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful apart from me. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. That verse is simply saying, stay connected to Jesus. And there will be growth. There will be life. There will be change. You, the branch, you don't have to try really hard to grow. Say, I'm going to grow for Jesus. <laughs> You don't have to try really hard to grow. Just stay connected to him. In the word, in worship, in the work of God. Stay connected to Jesus and you will grow. God created you to be connected to Jesus, to become like him and to bear fruit for him. And if you stay connected to him, transformation is the result. You become like him. This is the place of grace where you can face your faults, folks. And maybe some of you have been dealing with something for a very long time and you just keep stuffing it down. You just, But every once in a while, life shakes you hard and it comes to the surface and it begins to do damage to your life or somebody else. It's time to face your faults. And second, write this down. And this is a place to fix your faults. Right here in this place, in this body of Christ, it's the place to fix your faults, not only so you can really grow, but so that you can really go for Jesus. Amen? Jesus gave us the great commission. He says, I want you to go and make disciples of all the nations. He wants you to not only grow strong, but he wants you to go strong. Amen? Amen. He wants you to go for him. And so this is a place to face your faults and by the power of God, fix them. Now, those three W's keep you connected to Christ and they keep you from going the way you naturally would tend to go. Your own way, away from God. Once again, the three W's are like feeding your life with fertilizer. You know, years ago, I planted some uh, beautiful queen palms on our slope. We have a huge slope behind our house and I, I planted a bunch of queen palms up there and I tell you, we were so excited because they were beautiful, beautiful green fronds and and they were just looking awesome so we got them planted and we were really happy with them but because our slope is so steep no no matter how much i would fertilize those queen palms and how much water i would give them it would just kind of tend to run off and not do its job and pretty soon those green palms turned into yellow palms anybody ever had that happen (laughs) began to shrivel up they weren't what they were meant to be and so i i couldn't will them to grow I couldn't make them grow. 
So I had to figure out another practice. I had to change my practices. So I started driving fertilizer stakes around the base of those queen palms. And before you knew it, they were beautiful and healthy and green and growing, full of life once again. So what are some things that you can do to keep growing and to prepare you for going? Beyond practicing those three W's, I want to give you three other things you can do as we close today. First of all, write this down. You can take inventory. It's a practice we all need to do. That means honestly look at where you are. Look honestly at who you are. Now remember, God already knows. Amen? He knows. He's been looking. But you need to have an honest look of who you are, where you are. Take inventory like a store takes inventory. There comes a point where every store closes down, locks the front door, and they take a look at where they are, what they have, what they need to do different. They take inventory. Honestly look at who God wants you to be, and are you there? Why not end every Sunday night or begin every Monday morning by just simply before you get out of bed or before you go to sleep, you say, God, how did I behave this week? And listen, God, did I fall back into some of my weaknesses? God, did I make progress on being who you want me to be? Why not before you close your eyes or open them Monday morning, take inventory, examine your life and chart a new course. If you failed, say, God, by your power, I need to be transformed. God, I need a new course for this new week ahead. And maybe you could pray a prayer like this, a prayer of David. David said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Ask God to search your heart and mind for things that are not pleasing to him. And then the Bible says, live by the spirit, take inventory, but don't live by your own strength or by your own power, but live by the spirit of God almighty. Let him examine you, take inventory, let him look at you, then let him guide you. And then look what the scripture says, and you will not gratify the desires of your sinful nature. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And then it finishes and it says, but the fruit of the Spirit you let God transform you and work in your life is love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Folks, you don't have to try really hard to change your faults. You don't have to try really hard to grow, try really hard to go for Jesus. Just stay connected to Jesus. Stay connected and he'll remove all the old fruit And he'll begin to produce new fruit in you, good fruit in you. So not only do the three W's, but begin to take inventory and start judging week by week, maybe even day by day. God, where am I? How am I doing? Take inventory and then second, get counsel. 
The second thing you can practice is get counsel. Get counsel. Get the Bible's input. How are you measuring up? How are you doing according to the word of God? And then get God's input through time of prayer. After you've given God all your requests and lift everything to him that you need him to do. Are you sitting and listening? The Bible says, in fact, Jesus says himself, I am the good shepherd and my sheep know my voice. They hear my voice and they know my voice. Have you learned yet to know the voice of God? Do you know when God speaks to you that it's his voice and you've heard it so often? You know that no, you know, you know, you know. And when God speaks, what he speaks works out. If you haven't experienced that yet, you can. He says, my sheep know my voice. Have you sat and listened and taken counsel from the Spirit of God? If you've ever experienced that, you know there's nothing more uplifting, faith-lifting, encouraging, restoring than the voice of the shepherd. Amen? It's awesome. So get counsel from the Spirit of God. And then get counsel from God's family. Get input. There's other people who've been exactly where you are. They've walked where you were walking. And they can help you. I'm not saying spread your faults to everybody in the church. But find a trusted pastor, a trusted elder, a trusted friend. And get counsel for what you're dealing with from then. Go to the word with them. Go to prayer with them. And if you'll do those things and you get regular input, you'll know God's will for your life. And then you'll be willing when the pressure is on to do what pleases God, not what grieves him. Amen? If you're getting God's counsel and you're hearing God speak, then you want to please the one who's speaking into your life. You want to honor him because when he speaks, it brings healing and health and life and encouragement and comfort. And you want to please him, not grieve him. The Bible says this, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Right now, you can get counsel. You can get counsel from a C group. You can ask for pastoral counseling. You can ask your pastors to connect you with professional counselors. You can put yourself in a place where you can get counsel. So to fix your faults, not only do the three W's, but begin to take inventory. And then get godly counsel. And last, select a weapon. Select a weapon. Folks, we live as Christians in a world that is inhabited by the evil one. And as we try to live for Jesus Christ, and if you haven't found this out yet, the closer you get to Jesus and the more you try to go for Jesus, the more you try to do in the name of Jesus, the more the evil one comes after you. And so you need to learn how to fight back. You need to learn how to stand strong. And the Bible says this, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, the weapons we use, they have a divine power to demolish strongholds, demolish faults that have had maybe a grip on you for all of your life. The Bible says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to st- everything, you can stand. When the day of evil comes, when the attack of Satan comes, when something shakes your life so hard, the faults you think are going to crack open and they're going to come to surface and they're going to do damage. 
You'll have the power to stand because you've been standing in the armor of God and using the weapons of God. So let's find out what is the armor. What are the weapons that you can use? Write this down somewhere. First of all, you need to pick up the helmet of salvation. You need to make sure you are saved, that you are forgiven of your sins, and Jesus Christ is your Lord and your Savior. And if you've never done that, you can do that right here in this place of grace this morning. And you need to know that. You need to know that you know that you know that you're saved. You need to have that knowledge in your heart and mind. And you need to put on that helmet of salvation to protect you. And then you need to pick up the breastplate of righteousness. Make sure that your heart is right with God. Day by day, take that inventory and say, as far as I know God, and as far as your spirit's telling me, and then your word's telling me, I am right with you. You, you live in rightness before God. And then you pick up the belt of truth. Make sure you know God's truth. Make sure you speak God's truth. Make sure you live by God's truth. You put on the belt of truth and you live the truth of God. And then you pick up the shoes of readiness. And you say, God, I'm, I'm ready to go. You call me to battle, I'm ready to go. I'm, I've got the belt of truth. I'm living right in your sight. I've got the helmet of salvation. God, I am ready to go out and do battle for you. And so then you pick up the sword of the Spirit. You make sure that you know the Word of God and you know how to wield the Word of God. You've got it in your heart. You've got it in your memory. And you take that Word of God and when Satan lies to you, you stab him with the sword of the Spirit. Amen? And then you make sure you pick up the shield of faith. And you don't want to go out and do battle with, with the enemy in your own strength, your own power, your own faith in who you are. I'm a strong Christian. I've been living for Jesus Christ for a long, long time. You don't go out in your own strength. I want the shield of God. That's a big shield. Amen? You pick up the shield of faith in Almighty God. And you pick up that shield to extinguish the fiery darts of the evil one that he brings against you. And so you put on this armor of God and then you're ready to go out with the sword of the Spirit and the shield of faith and do battle against him. I'm saying all this to say this. When the pressure is on, when the evil one will not let you alone, when the stuff of life is shaking you so hard you're about to crack, when the faults in your life are about to show up and do damage, you put on the armor of God. And you select a weapon and you pick up the sword, you pick up the shield and you say, God, I'm ready to go for you. Every Sunday morning, I'm attacked by the evil one. He didn't want me up here telling you how to fight. I'm attacked every Sunday morning. And so on my way in in the car, I'm putting on the armor. <laughs> I'm putting on the armor of God and I'm picking up the sword of the spirit. I'm picking up the shield of faith. If you're going to stand for Jesus all the way to eternity, if you've got to have a home in heaven, you've got to learn how to stand against the evil one. Folks, this is a place to face your faults and to fix your faults. This is a place of grace and truth and transformation. And you can face and fix your faults no matter what they are. You can face them. You can fix them. The truth is this, we all have them, amen? Let's be honest, we all have them. And we're all broken in some way. The question is, will you face them and will you fix them? In just a moment, I'm going to have this team sing a song, but I want you to hear this. God is saying to us this morning, this is the conversation God wants to have with you. God is saying, come as you are. Experience my grace. Hear 
what I want you to be. Experience my truth and be transformed into what I know you can be. Experience my transforming power. That is God's heart for you. That is my heart for you. We're all broken, but we can be transformed into what God has always intended us to be. And that is something beautiful. A beautiful bride for him to receive into his home in heaven. Beautiful individuals, beautiful churches. And so what God does is he accepts us with his beautiful grace. And then he takes that beautiful grace and transforms us by his mighty power into something beautiful. If you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, forgive you of your sins, and be your Savior and Lord, you can't even put on the helmet of salvation. And and so I'd encourage you as I pray this prayer to follow me in that prayer, just in your heart, sincerely and silently in your heart, just pray to God and invite him to come into your life and save you. As I pray, would you pray in your heart, dear Lord Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of all my sins. Cleanse my heart. Transform me. Be my Savior and my Lord. And best as I know how, I'll live for you. And if you're here this morning and you're saying, Pastor, I'm a Christian. I've been following Jesus, but... I've got some faults I really need to face. Would you pray this prayer of David in, my, in your heart with me? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Father, give me courage beyond my own to face my faults and to fix them. Thank you that I'm in a place of grace and truth and transformation. Lord, transform my life. Father, it thrills my heart to know that whenever we come to you humbly and sincerely and pray prayers like this, Lord, you do just what we ask. It's it's right in line with your will. And your word tells us that if we know that you hear us, we'll have what we've asked. So whether we're praying for you to come into our lives and forgive us of our sins or praying sincerely for you to transform a fault, to fix a fault, God, you're so willing to be right there and change us for the better. Lord, help us to become people, a church that's without fault, spot, or wrinkle one that's acceptable and pleasing in your sight. I pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.